ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. It's a Friday night. All calls welcome. Friday night calls. You can join us at 312-332-3776. We're talking Bears football. They face off against the Vikings on Sunday, week 18 in the NFL. No Justin Fields, but Chase Claypool is going to play. All right, what are we going to see from the wide receiver? The Bears traded for the wide receiver back at the end of October. He was with the team for the final two months of this season. And Chase Claypool, to this point, really has been disappointing. Uh, No touchdowns. Uh, Let's see. He has a handful of receptions, uh, about 12 receptions as a Bears player. Uh, The most yards in a game he's had is 51 against the Jets. He had two receptions for 51 yards. He had that long reception of 31. Uh, That was a decent play. Uh, Let's see. He had five receptions against the Packers for 28 yards. That's tough to do. Five receptions for 28 yards. Uh, He has a a fumble. uh, And like I said, no touchdowns on the season. Uh, He's also ran the football a couple of times. I I feel like the first game against the the, uh, Dolphins, Uh, Chase Claypool was like worked into the mix early in the first quarter and they were really trying to go to him on little swing passes, bubble screens, and then they tried to hand the ball off to him. And I was like, okay, this is how it's going to be. Claypool is going to be a a feature member of this offensive attack. And then the weeks following, if it were not learning the playbook in the correct amount of time, not getting caught up to speed, injuries, whatever the case may be, He really hasn't been a factor at all. And it's not like the Bears have a lot of help at wide receiver. And so Chase Claypool here, he will play on Sunday. It will be interesting to see if he can do anything with Trevor Simeon in there as the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. And and Claypool and his improvement and what he can bring to the table next year will be important as we look at this offense and we try and build around Justin Fields. Now, Claypool yesterday talked at Hallis Hall, and he said something that was interesting. Let's take a listen to Chase Claypool. So what he had to say after losing to the Lions, Chase Claypool, now remember, he joined the team midseason. This is what he had to say after the Lions game. Just a buildup of that game, you know, like, you know, like, I just always believe that we're, we're in every game no matter what the score is. Um, so if it's third quarter, we're down 21, like, I still think we can win. And I want, I want to see other people believe that with me, you know. Um, I don't want people to get comfortable with going three an hour, like, damn, we've been here before, you know. Like, we've been here before, and I guess we know how to lose. I was like, not know how to lose, but, like, find that comfort, and like, damn, this just happened last week, or this just happened two weeks ago, or three weeks ago. we got to be uncomfortable with being that. Hmm. That's Chase Claypool after the Lions game. I know it was reported that was a, there was a bit of a, a, a dust-up on the sidelines between Claypool and others and uh, Justin Fields. and Huh. Claypool, more on, what, uh, more on being uncomfortable with losing. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, even if, even if it was, you know, 31-10 or whatever in the third quarter, like, we can still win that game. You see the Vikings did 30, 33-0 at halftime. Like, we're always in every game no matter, you know, what the score is for the most part until that uh, final whistle blows. So it's like, I just want to feel that belief. I want to feel it, you know. Like, we're a good team. We're going to be a good team next year. But we have to be real uncomfortable at losing. All right, so there's Chase Claypool speaking at Hallis Hall yesterday. I think I was one of the more vocal people on Tuesday 
here on the radio station and, and what I've seen on social media, after watching the Bears and Lions on Sunday, that team gave up. And that annoyed me. It pissed me off. I get that we're not necessarily trying to win this season. But in the third and fourth quarter of that game, they weren't even trying. They were just trying to go three and out and punt. And that, to me, is bothersome. And the defense was atrocious. One of the worst games I've ever seen a Bears team play defensively. Could not stop the run. No, uh, no pressure whatsoever on Jared Goff. It was bad. And, and I said it on Tuesday. We were here on Tuesday night, and that's how I opened the show. And it wasn't something that I was trying to, to fire off a hot take. It's just, it is what it is. It upset me. I watched the game. It was annoying. I, it doesn't sit well with me to sit around and say, well, I, I can't wait and hope and dream for a draft pick. I'm really excited for draft picks. That's fun. That's not how it works. I don't like that. I don't enjoy the losing aspect. I get that there will be a benefit to how bad this season has been, that they will either get the first or second pick, and then they can trade back and get more picks to help the team. But I don't root for a team to lose. Unless you quite frankly know you are guaranteed a number one pick and you know that that player is going to be a, a legendary uh, talent. right? Like when the Bulls had the opportunity to be bad, and Luka Doncic, for two seasons before he was entering the NBA draft, it was well aware that he was going to be in the draft, that he was going to be a generational talent. Yet the Bulls were winning meaningless games. That, that I understand. But in this scenario, you have your quarterback for the future. The point now is developing the quarterback. No team who has a quarterback for the future is trying to tank in the NFL. That's not a thing. And so the way that game went didn't sit right with me. And Chase Claypool yesterday calling out his teammates. I mean, he, he said it. They, there were people on the sidelines okay with the losing and okay with not really doing anything offensively. This guy got here midseason, and he's just straight up calling you out, calling everyone out. He doesn't care. I mean, he hasn't done anything. It's quite ballsy, actually. You haven't done anything, but yet you're calling everyone else out. I mean, he recognizes that there's some losing going on, and people are okay with it. I don't know. I was fired up on Tuesday about it, and then I heard this from Chase Claypool, and I thought to myself, wow, the guy that's done absolutely nothing, but he comes from a, a team and an atmosphere in Pittsburgh where winning matters, and he looks around at guys, you know, what do you say in that first clip that, you know, down 21 nothing, I still think we have a chance to win. I would have I would assumed that others on the Bears team thought the same. And Claypool's out here publicly saying, yeah, well, there are guys that, that mailed it in. I mean, are you serious? I mean, we could do a, a whole uh, conversation all the way back to the idea of Eberflus being the head coach and being the right guy. I mean, there's guys on the sidelines in a game where you clearly looked like you gave up. There's a guy who was just traded to the team midseason calling everyone else out because you clearly gave up. And this is the guy for the future for this team as a head coach? I was, I was surprised at that. 312-332-3776 is the phone number. If you want to talk Bears football, we go to Mike in Tinley Park. Friday night calls. All calls welcome. What's up, Mike? Hi, hi Black. Good to talk to you. Um, I, my thing is this. I am so tired of hearing about Getsy coaching Aaron Rodgers. What did he do, really? Let's be honest. He didn't coach him. But well, if you well he was there. It's not like he wasn't he was on there. the coaching staff. 
but but here's the thing. If he was there and he's even watching, he might have learned how to run a two-minute drill. The guy's the greatest at it. The Bears look like a Chinese fire drill when they run it. I mean, I just don't see it. I don't think he's developed. He took a running quarterback that has trouble throwing and just made him run all over the place. I, I don't see this. Uh, I, I think I think Fields needs better to improve. Yeah, he absolutely does, and and I, I get the point, Mike. And thanks for the phone call. I I, I get that the understanding that yeah, Getzey was there. Rodgers is a developed Hall of Fame quarterback at this point. With that said, he was there to witness one of the all time greats figure it out for himself and implement an offense and and go through uh, high pressure situations. I think there's a little something you can learn from that, especially as a coach. Now, does uh, does he get credit for developing Aaron Rodgers? No, no, he doesn't. But I, I think there is. I think Luke Getzey has done a nice job this season. Tom in Oakland, you're on ESPN 1000. All calls welcome. What's up, Tom? Uh, what's up? So I'm not going to be as uh, critical as the last uh, couple callers, especially uh, Paulie, who thinks that Justin Fields is a wide receiver and not a quarterback. But um, I still think that they're that there needs to be development and that he still needs to work on as far as some of his uh, accuracies, especially throwing the wide receiver screens and throwing to the uh, halfback uh, swings and such. Sometimes those balls are just not where they're supposed to be, where then they can catch it and then run up field. But uh, he has made some plays. He has made some marginal improvement. But I I just don't think that we're going to find out whether he is really the guy or whether he's the future franchise quarterback until next year when they can possibly surround him with better wide receivers or a better offensive line to block for him. Uh, Because then if if he really develops and he can turn into more of a over 3,000-yard passer next year, 20-something touchdowns, lower the interceptions, and really increase the uh, completion percentage, you know, then, yes, then next year I'll say that he is our franchise quarterback. But if, again, he still only marginally improves and the rushing yards go down next year, then you got to really start asking questions on, you know, is he the right quarterback? Or, you know, and, and you know you're going to have people that are going to be like, well, it's not because of him, it's because of the coaching staff now. And it, we can't keep recycling through coaches and recycling through this and that. So, uh I'm going to be patient. I'm not. I'm not saying he's a bust. I'm not saying he's the franchise quarterback yet. I'm going to wait until next year. And then, as far as you, you were saying about rooting for losses and rooting for draft picks, I'm the same way. I'm not. I'm not going to get excited for draft picks or the draft until the draft actually comes. So, yeah, I'm with you, Tom. And thanks for the phone call. And I, I think you are right about this idea, though. It, Justin Fields won't have. Um, all of next season to figure it out. He's going to have to be good next year. I mean, that's it. If he's not good next year, then then you're right. We're going to have to start to seriously question whether or not this guy can be the guy that leads the team into the future. I think he's shown us enough where that's not going to have to be a problem. But you're right. If the numbers don't improve and the wins don't improve and he's not getting better, then yeah, I think that's an absolute uh, possibility that that's the case. James on the south side, you're on ESPN 1000. James, we didn't get you on last night. Thanks for calling back. What's up, Blake? You good? Hey, you know what? Should I act like uh, Chase and be like, hey, I'm Dollar? No, I can't do that because he has a baby, right? He he does have a baby. Yes, correct. (laughs) He he got a baby. Hey, tell him if you need any advice, 
You know, I got three baby girls. I got three girls. To call you? Plain and simple. All right. I'll give them, uh, I'll give them your number. You said, I, I, you, I, I, uh, uh, you know who got my number? Danny got my number. Yes. Zetterman, he so, got my number. But guess what? Yes. Here's what I want to say. Yes. Check this out. Okay. The, everybody's talking crazy about the Bears and Justin Fields. Justin Fields, actually, I like him. I love him. He is really not the answer. Wow. Plain and simple. Wow, not the I, answer. He is he You're is really not fields. the answer. And that's because of his his demeanor and the way that he's going about the game right about now. His demeanor? But, he has great demeanor. He's well, tough and he, he wants to play. What else would you ask for from a quarterback? He, he wants to he's play. Even, he's even keeled. He doesn't get down on himself out there around all this mess around him. I, Wait, I, I get that. You say demeanor. I get it, but guess what? He is. He he could be the answer. He could. He can be the answer. But I'm telling you, right now, he's not the answer that we are looking for as fans. But we are losing fans, and that's not what we want. We don't want a losing environment. So maybe Matt Eberflus and uh, Ryan Poles, maybe they know something that we don't know. So let's. Step back as losing fans of Chicago Bears fans. Step back, shut the hell up for a minute, and let them do their damn job and and do this daggone thing. You dig what I'm talking about? Well, well, I can't shut the hell up, James. This is the job. The job is talking. The job? No, no, not you. Oh. You're supposed to talk. Oh, okay. You're supposed to talk. All right, that's good. your job. Okay, I'm talking perfect. about the losing fans, not okay. you, not ESPN 1000. You Got dig? It. I'm saying. Just let let them do what they do. And guess what, Black? Yes. Let, let me tell you this. Yeah, give it to me. I'm going to give it to you because I get tired of Chase and I get tired of fucking... Okay. I'm sorry. All oh, right. Sorry. Okay. Well, all calls welcome on a Friday night with Black and Abdallah as James is going off on other callers here on the program. All right. All calls welcome. We'll be back. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. Ring in the new year with no fees for the Blackhawks home games the rest of the season. Now through Friday, today, when you buy tickets to any game, the Blackhawks are waiving the fees to kick off the 2023 season uh, seats start as low as $23. This limited time offer ends Friday, so celebrate the new year with no fees on tickets to your next Blackhawks game. Visit blackhawks.com slash no fees today to secure your seats today. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. Friday night calls, all calls welcome. I'm Black and Abdallah. I'm Chris Black. Abdallah has the night off. I see Nick in the Twitch chat saying we should give a shout out to Jane. And you know what's funny? I was just thinking about Jane, so I hope she's listening. Uh, because I had the task of trying to explain to my wife over a Christmas break 
how and why we got to Zoo News and how we have the audio that goes along with Zoo News. Well, hello, Mr. Lion. Here's the latest edition of the Zoo News. And so I like went on this like 15-minute story to explain that Jane called to tell us when we make fun of Rob Manfred. Corey, you thrilled our fans throughout the postseason with a great performance. You know, you know the thing we do during the summer and we, you know, we play the Star Wars music, the whole bit. So I'm like, I'm trying to explain that bit to my wife. And then also explained to her that Jane called, and then Jane would call frequently, and we haven't heard from Jane in a while, so I hope everything's okay, and that she compared us making fun of Rob Manfred to Lawrence Welk, and then I then had to explain who Lawrence Welk was to my wife, because she, she doesn't know. That's what is new at the zoo. And he, he hosted variety shows like in the, the 60s, 50, late 50s, 60s like big band stuff and there were musical acts and then there were like skits that took place and like i'm explaining this whole story and i'm like yeah i don't it's just the stupid show we host i don't i don't know i don't know what to tell you and then i was like but i i do hope that jane calls again so if jane's out there hopefully she calls uh we miss hearing from her blocking abdal friday night calls here on espn 1000 the espn chicago app we go to wayne and itasca you're on espn 1000 what's up wayne Hey, how you doing today? What's up, man? Um, I just wanted to talk about Claypool for a minute. I'm not sure we're getting the the complete story on that. I mean, we've got a guy here who has had a hard time getting on the field since he got here. Um, he's known to have maturity issues. And I don't know if he's the guy to be calling people out for not playing hard. I mean, he in that in the Detroit game, he had four snaps in the first half. So I'm not sure where he was coming from was exactly, you know, uh, a selfless place. So I, I kind of question about, I, I kind of question what his motivations were there or, or if we're getting the, the full story on that. Yeah, and, you know, the thing that I was surprised in hearing from uh, Claypool yesterday, this is Chase Claypool yesterday at Hallis Hall. Just a buildup of that game, you know, like, you know, like, I just always believe that we're, we're in every game no matter what the score is. Um, so if it's third quarter, we're down 21. Like I still think we can win, and I want I want to see other people believe that with me. You know, um, I don't want people to get comfortable with going three and hour. Like, damn, we've been here before. You know, like we've been here before. And I guess we know how to lose. I was like, not know how to lose, but like find that comfort. And like, damn, this just happened last week, or this just happened two weeks ago, or three weeks ago. We got to be uncomfortable with being in that position. Yeah, and that, that comes from a guy that's done almost absolutely nothing in a Bears uniform. Joins the team midseason at the trade deadline from Pittsburgh, a, a winning team that didn't want him, clearly, and he's calling out the rest of the team. Now, I thought the same thing, watching at home, that the team gave up on Sunday against the Lions. I think it's one thing for me in this position, just watching saying it. It's how I feel. It's my opinion. It's a different thing for a guy in the locker room to say that looking around, clearly the other guys weren't thinking the same thing that I was thinking. And and I think Wayne points something out that's interesting. It's obviously uh, motivated based on the fact that he had one target against the Lions. He's not getting the ball, but he's also not doing anything with it. He had five receptions on six targets against the Packers for 28 yards. How That's almost impossible. Five catches for 28 yards? That's amazing how bad that is. 
Sherman and Chatham, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Sherman? Hey, what's up, Black? What's going on, man? Hey, you know, uh, I was listening to Getsky, uh, if that's how you pronounce his name. Getsky. Yeah. Uh, thank you. So, you know, okay, I'm all for holding fields accountable. I, I get it. I, I'm all for that. Nobody's untouchable. But uh, let's hold yourself accountable, Coach. Because I'm going to tell you, by every novice's observation, every NFL insider expert's observation, he looked like exactly what he is, a first-year play caller. There was plenty of times where he had not just feels, but that entire offense, as limited as, as it is, at a complete disadvantage. And I heard someone say you know, earlier this morning, about how you know uh, the Bears had the least amount of receptions from their backfield. Well, that's because their backfield had to step up in pass protection to keep Justin Fields off his back. So I, I take I take exception with the coach calling out all the field shortcomings and not stepping to the microphone and owning up to his. I take big exception with that. Yeah, and Sherman, I, I think the other thing is like Luke Etsy was really good in the first quarter of games this season, but I feel like in the fourth quarter when the Bears had to put drives together, that's when the offense definitely sputtered. Right? Like well, like early in the game they were really good. They moved the ball, they scored some touchdowns. But there were situations where the offense had an opportunity to make a drive, to, to win, kick a field goal, to tie, and the offense really didn't do anything. In fact, in some of those situations, they went backwards. Well, you know, that, that's second-half adjustments. You go, into, you go in at halftime, and, you know, the opposing team's like, okay, here's what we're going to do to counter what the Bears are going to do, and we already know what Getsy's going to call. So if, then you have to make adjustments based off of what they're doing. But, that's, but to my point, you look like a first-year play caller. You had fields at a disadvantage quite often and had very little to do with the personnel sometimes. So hold yourself accountable, Coach. Everybody needs to hold themselves accountable. Now, here's the trick bag. They've got to stick with this guy because fields does not need to have three offensive coordinators in three years. That will set his progress back and potentially wipe out any games that he made this season. They have to ride this guy out. Well, and and also... There is the element where Getsy can get better. Yeah, you know, just like Fields. Getsy could get better as a play caller, and I'm sure he will. Well, he needs to. And yeah. he should. Yeah. And I agree with you. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's doing all those things coaches do. Studying film, sleeping overnight in Hallisall. I'm sure he's doing all those things. But if in order for the Bears office to get better, in addition to the personnel, in addition to Fields, their play callers gotta get better as well. Got you down, Sherman. Thanks for the phone call. 312-332-3776. All calls welcome. Friday night calls. Black and Abdallah, it's the best night of the week. Miguel and Antioch, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Miguel? Hey, what's up, Chris? Not much. What's going on? Uh, I just wanted to, well, first of all, let me say congratulations to Adam, and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, so, shout out good, to the Abdallah. Um, and... Yeah, no, so I wanted to say about uh, Devin Hester, it's like, to me, it's like a a silly conversation. He's the best person (laughs) to ever do it at his position. Oh, no, we're going to do this tonight? No, I just I, <laughs> I just want to be quick about that. I mean, you know, you know Go ahead. if you have a punter your, going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, if you got, like, I think it's Ray Guy that went to the Hall of Fame, you know. Yeah. You know, Yerko, Yerko's the best, you know, but, you know. 
Well, he's, Yurko, he's, he's opposed to it. Yurko's the best because he's right. Oh, you're on that bandwagon. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> well, you know, you know, he's the best to ever do it. So, but, you know, with Justin, it's like, boy, you know, is anyone using their eyes? We finally have a quarter quarterback. Finally, we yeah. have a quarterback. We just have to build around him. Sure. And I don't get uh, people saying like, "Oh, he should be a wide receiver. He should be a running back." He was a past, you know. He was a past. Uh, he, he he threw from the pocket in college. From my understanding, I won't lie to you. I didn't see a single snap. But uh, from what everyone's saying, from yeah, what he, I hear he on the radio really and all that, he was really good in the pocket. And the the key to his success at Ohio State was. Uh, his senior year, he was the best quarterback in college football down the field, like past 15 yards and uh, between the hash marks and the sideline. So, you know, that sweet spot where you have to put it on the money for a wide receiver down the field. Justin Fields was the best in, in college football doing that. Yeah. And I heard uh, someone earlier say, oh, he's not accurate. He when was. he gets he the was ball off, he, he is accurate. He, he, he was he, the most accurate out of that class to come into the NFL draft. I remember doing the draft shows, uh, the draft prep for it. Abdallah and I were talking about on Chicago's college tailgate that year. He was the number one guy when it comes to accuracy down the field out of that draft class. Yeah, so let this kid continue to develop, put some pieces around him. This, this organization has been starving for a quarterback for the longest time. We kind of got close with Jay Cutler, and he just did too many picks and all that. But um, yeah, let's let, let's build around it now, and we now we finally have some some pieces, um, you know, draft wise. You know, we have some draft picks now. We didn't give them all away, so and and well, that's it. Thanks, Miguel. That's, thanks, that's, thanks that's for, for the me, thought. Miguel. Do you want my thoughts on Hester? Let's go. Okay, I'll give them to you next. All right. All right. Chicago's home for sports, Black and Abdallah, ESPN Chicago. Black and Abdallah are back on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. Welcome here on Black and Abdallah. Miguel and Antioch just asked me about Devin Hester. So earlier this week, the finalists for the class of uh, 2023 Hall of Fame class for the Pro Football Hall of Fame were announced. Uh, the finalists, so they will announce who gets in uh, before the Super Bowl. Uh, and I believe that's uh, February 9th during the NFL Honors Show. So that'll, uh, that's when they'll announce the class. Uh, eligible in the finalists, it's Jared Allen, the defensive end. He played a lot, long time with the Vikings. Willie Anderson, the tackle. Rondé Barber, the cornerback. Devin Hester, wide receiver and returner. Torrey Holt, wide receiver. Andre Johnson, wide receiver. Zach Thomas, linebacker. Demarcus Ware, defensive end. Reggie Wayne, wide receiver. Patrick Willis, linebacker. And Darren Woodson, safety. Now, to me, Devin Hester is the most explosive, entertaining offensive player I've ever seen in my life as a Bears fan at Soldier Field. 
I think that's credit to Devin, but it's also it's kind of a knock on the Bears franchise for the last 30 plus years, right? Since Walter Payton, that really offensively, they haven't really had a whole lot uh, to be excited about on the offensive side of things. I mean, maybe one day Justin Fields can be that that next great offensive player that we can all root behind, right? Uh, But with Devin Hester, he changed uh, the way you had to play those Bears teams under Lovey Smith because the field position was so impactful to the way that the defense complemented the offense and then Hester could flip a game. He was great at it. It was, it was unreal, and he was must-see TV at all times. When it comes to Hall of Fames, I'm the type of person that is always going to be more conservative when it comes to who gets into Hall of Fames than, than I think most people. Because to me, I always hold the Hall of Fame as the best of the best of the best. And it, it should mean something extremely impactful to make the Hall of Fame. I, I, can, I cringe when I hear people suggest that everyone should get in. And, and when the NBA or the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame, because they include more than just the NBA with, with European basketball as well. But when the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame lets in Mitch Richmond, it's like, what are we doing here? In, in what conversation do you ever have with any of your friends talking about 90s basketball? Like, when does Mitch Richmond ever come up? Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer in the NBA. And I'm not saying Devin Hester is like Mitch Richmond because Devin Hester is the best to have done what he did. The problem is, to me, when you're comparing Hester to all these other guys who are up to get into the Hall of Fame, you have guys who played defensive snaps, you have, you have wide receivers on the list, three of them, Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, Torrey Holt, who are out there for large portions of the game where Hester is out there for what? Ten total plays? To me, the amount of snaps a special teams player plays should factor into whether or not you make the Hall of Fame. I mean, we're talking about the best of the best. If Hester was the best of the best, wouldn't he have been at least a serviceable wide receiver? He wasn't that. He was a punt returner and a kickoff specialist. The best to do it. I loved watching him, but you can't compare him to Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, or Reggie Wayne. And and I would be annoyed if Hester got in over one of those guys who I think are deserving because they're Hall of Fame wide receivers. But I, I just view it, I think, a little differently where I look at someone who's a specialist, a kicker, a punter, a returner, and I say, well, those, you know, you know, whatever positions are, are specialists, you're not playing the same amount of snaps impacting the games the way that others who get into the Hall of Fame. So that, that's my thought. I would imagine he will get in at some point. Do I think he'll be a first-time uh, inductee? I doubt it because some of these names on this list are are incredible. I mean, Torrey Holt, uh, you look at uh, Patrick Willis is on there, uh, guys like Joe Thomas. Uh, Daryl Rivas, Dwight Freeney. Like those guys, I would imagine, are going to be first-time Hall of Famers. But when when you look at the whole group overall, Hester should be in the conversation, no doubt. Will he get in someday? I'm guessing he will. I just, I'm a little stingy when I, I go to the Hall of Fame conversation. I think sometimes we're a little too liberal with throwing everyone into the Hall of Fame. Like, in other positions, I like to have the conversation like when we, we get to quarterbacks, right? Eli Manning's going to come up in conversation. At no point during Eli Manning's career did I ever think he was a Hall of Fame player. He's not a Hall of Famer. 
Did you win two Super Bowls? Yeah. Those the, that, those are your trophies, sir. You, you were not a Hall of Fame player. I would say the same for Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers is not a Hall of Fame quarterback because even though he'll have some of the stats, passing yards, he wasn't one of the, the three best quarterbacks in more than one season throughout his his peak in his career. He was around there at four, five, six. But when you look at that era, you have Brady, you have Manning, you have Roethlisberger. It's really tough to, get to put other guys in there because you can't put everyone in. At that point, it's a participation thing. And that waters down the Hall of Fame. So again, I, I always, when, when these conversations come up, I go back to cringing when I saw the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame put Mitch Richmond in. He's not a Hall of Famer. All calls welcome. Friday Night Calls. Sam and Addison, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Sam? Hey, how are we doing, Chris? I'm good, man. What's going on? So I called a couple of weeks ago. I got persecuted for talking about uh, Matt Mervis, so I won't bring him up, I promise. But well, you, uh, you love the Cubs. You love Cubs I do baseball. Love, of course. I love baseball in general, but sure. Cubs are the best, of course. All right. So my question is, with Trevor Bauer getting DFA'd, Ugh. I have two questions for you. Uh, would you want him on your team? Nope. And then the third question, uh, the second question is, um, where do you see him landing as a top three teams for him? You know, I honestly have no idea uh, for your second question. And the first question, I would say absolutely not because I don't find anyone more annoying in sports than Trevor Bauer. Yeah, he's very... Uh, Him and his stupid YouTube emotional. page, they can go kick rocks. Not interested whatsoever in Trevor Bauer. Anything about him. Fair, fair point right there. And I, I've had that yeah. stance for a few years now. So uh, I just, I, found, I find him exhausting, obnoxious, and I'm not interested in any of his stuff. Yeah, I know. I wanted like, the Cubs like, to like go out there and pitch. I'm not interested in your your YouTube videos, and he just seems like a a, a brat. That's the way I, he comes across. I agree. Not professional. Yes. So I'm not I'm not interested in anything, Trevor Bauer. Well, thank you for taking the call. No problem, man. Have a good night. All right. You as well. Bye. Sam in Addison. It's three one two three three two three seven seven six is the phone number. Blocking Abdallah here on ESPN one thousand, the ESPN Chicago app. I want to play a game. Here's what the game is called. The game is called Does This Game Matter? So we're hanging into week 18, the NFL season. And I had to sit down and figure out what games actually matter this weekend. So I'm going to play this game. Does this game matter? First up, the Chiefs and the Raiders. This is on Saturday at 3.30. So the Chiefs, this game matters because the Chiefs are playing for the top seed. If you missed the news today, the NFL has approved a uh, possible neutral site AFC title game. And it's basically, here's what the owners have agreed upon. If Buffalo and Kansas City both win or tie this weekend, a Bills-Chiefs championship game would be at a neutral site. If Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Baltimore wins or ties, a Bills-Chiefs championship game would be at a neutral site. And if Buffalo and Kansas State both lose and Cincinnati wins, a Bills or Bengals against the Chiefs championship game would be at a neutral site. There's also a coin flip in play for the Ravens and the Bengals. If the Ravens win and they meet again in the playoffs to figure out who is going to host. So Chiefs Raiders, it actually matters because the Chiefs are still playing for that top seed. Tennessee and Jacksonville, they play at 715 on Saturday night. Tennessee, they win, they get in. Jacksonville, they win or 
losses by New England, Miami, or Pittsburgh gets Jacksonville in. So that game matters. There you go. Two games on Saturday. Both matter. Does this game matter this weekend? All right, we go to Sunday. Buccaneers-Falcons. The Falcons have been eliminated. The Buccaneers clinched the, the division. They're the fourth seed in the playoffs. They're playing for nothing. That game does not matter. Cross it off. Doesn't matter this weekend. Uh, next up on the board, Patriots and Bills. The Patriots, if they win, and there's losses by Minnesota, uh, by Miami, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee, the Patriots will get into the playoffs. The Bills, of course, still playing for that top seed, so that game matters. Minnesota and Chicago here on the lakefront. The Bears were eliminated a while ago, but for Minnesota, they clinched the division. They're the third seed. Well, they're still seeding in play with the 49ers, so this game actually still matters. Interesting. I think most Bears fans are not going to be interested in watching, but it still matters. Our Ravens and Bengals, if the Ravens win... It could then force a wild card situation uh, against the Bengals with a coin flip. So it matters to the Ravens. And the Bengals are still playing for seeding in this AFC uh, situation they're figuring out. So the game matters. Uh, Tennessee or uh, the Texans and the Colts, does this game matter? I think most people would originally say no, right? The Colts were eliminated. Ah, but the Texans at 2-13 and 1. If they lose, they will get the first pick in the NFL draft. If they win, the Bears would move into position. This game matters. All right, we're playing the game. Does this game matter? Uh, The Jets and the Dolphins, they face off noon on Fox on Sunday. The Jets were eliminated from the playoffs already, but the Dolphins, if they win and there's a, a, a loss by the Patriots, the Dolphins would get into the playoffs, so that game matters. Panthers and Saints this weekend. Both teams have been eliminated. This game does not matter. There you go. There's our second game that does not matter on the schedule. Uh, Browns and Steelers. The Browns have been eliminated. The Steelers, if they win, and then there's losses by New England and Miami, the Steelers would get into the playoffs, so that game matters. Chargers-Broncos. The Broncos have been eliminated. The Chargers are the fifth seed in the AFC, and they're still seeding at play with Baltimore. So technically, that game matters. It doesn't really mean a whole lot, but it still technically matters. The Giants, they're already locked into the playoffs as the sixth seed, and the Eagles, who face off against the Giants, they're the number one seed. Both teams locked in, nothing to play for. Game does not matter. That's our third game that does not matter this weekend. Cardinals and 49ers. The Cardinals were eliminated. The 49ers are the second seed in the NFC. And they're still seeding at play with Minnesota in this contest. It matters. The Rams and Seahawks. The Rams were eliminated. The Seahawks, if they win and a loss by Green Bay, the Seahawks will get into the playoffs. So this game matters. The Cowboys and the Commanders. The Commanders have been eliminated. And the Cowboys are locked into the fifth seed. This game does not matter. Game number four of the weekend does not matter. And then finally on Sunday, the Lions and the Packers. Now, if the Lions win with a loss by Seattle, they will get into the playoffs. The Packers win, they get in. A lot of this kind of plays into what happens with Seattle earlier in the day to whether this game really matters. But there you go. There's four games this weekend that do not matter in the NFL. But surprisingly, when I sat down to figure this out, because I had to do it just just mentally so I knew what I was getting into this weekend, uh, I was surprised that it's only four. 
It feels like the enthusiasm for this weekend of football, the final weekend of the regular season, because most teams have been eliminated and and you don't really know what who's playing for what, who can get into the playoffs. So I had to sit down and figure it out. And there's four games that do not matter as we head into the playoffs this weekend. Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Friday night calls, all calls welcome. We'll continue taking your calls. And also, I have a warning for Abdallah. I have a robot story here and a warning for him and his new baby. This is Chicago's home for sports on FM 100.3 HD2, the ESPN Chicago app, and ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. Thank you to Kendra Smith and Nick Boxala for producing tonight's show of Black and Abdallah. We will be back on Monday night from 6 to 6.30. We will lead you into coverage of the national championship game, TCU in Georgia. I'll have 30 minutes before the game uh, here on ESPN 1000. So we'll have a little preview of the national championship game, and we'll also discuss what we saw on uh, the final day of the NFL regular season, week 18. That'll be Monday at 6 right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. I have a uh, story for Abdallah, a warning for him in just a second. But first, all calls welcome. Friday night calls. We go to uh, Jimmy in Barrington. You're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Jimmy? Hey, it's Jimmy. It's Jimmy. You know, remember me with the What's your name? (laughs) What's your name? Jimmy. Jimmy's with the Tinsters. I've been doing Tinsters all night listening to the show. <laughs> okay. What's up, Jimmy? Hey, hey. Timmy, Timmy, with the Timmy. Timmy, what's like up, Tommy? Timmy? Timmy, you got yeah. bad. You got bad phone, my man. Oh, I'm my bad. I'm in the car. I'm driving, but I'm okay. <laughs> hey, I want Bauer. He had that tack, and he was getting everybody out, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Where are you driving to tonight, Timmy? Burrito place. I got the munchies. <laughs> Great. What else are you doing this evening? I go home and watch um, the second game on ESPN. Oh, um, little basketball. Little hooping, little betting, little tinsering. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's fantastic. What, I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring some down and some dollars back some some tinctures I got some good stuff. <laughs> okay, I'm sure he'll enjoy it. And then I, I want to trade Fields for Tua. I, you think they do that? Uh, no, I don't think so. Why would you trade for Tua Tonga Vailoa? Oh, he would take the first eight weeks. He was on fire, man. He, he didn't need tinctures. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. So you like Trevor Bauer, eh? Yeah. He, he had the tack, and he, he was throwing the, the spin rate. He had the spin rate, and then, then he told everybody about it. And then they they 
they got that girl to set him up. That's what happened. But I'd take a flyer on him, right? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Listen, I'm at my burrito place. Oh, you're, you're you there. Go, but... Okay. Oh, are you, so you're going to let us go? Is that is that how this is going to work? Ha, yeah, ha, ha, yeah, ha, ha, yeah. You're going to let us go? Is that what is that I'll what's happening you. here? You're busy I'll now. Call you next Friday, right? Okay, I, you, you better. Okay, there, there he goes, Timmy. You know, I always say we do this show ten minutes too long, and there's a prime example. It's Friday. It's the end of the week here on ESPN 1000. And the motto is, all calls welcome. All right. Well, let's go to this. I have a story here and a warning for Adam Abdallah. He is off this week. He and his wife, his wife just gave birth to their new baby girl the other day. And I have a story here from CNN. Canadian-based baby gear startup Gluckskind is showing off an AI-powered smart stroller. That's right, at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. The most cutting-edge, out-of-this-world technologies are featured at this event. And the smart stroller offers the same tech seen in cars and delivery robots, meaning a dual-monitor motor system that can go uphill on its own. An automatic braking downhill, much like the Tesla Autopilot, these strollers are robots, and they can work on their own. That's right. If you need an extra pair of eyes and an extra set of hands, the robot and the stroller will help you out, per the company's website. Now, they make mention that this is not a replacement for a caregiver. So you can't just put the baby in the robot stroller and say, all right, see you later. Uh, They also uh, make note that the Ella stroller is able to drive itself hands-free. But on the website, they point out you're not supposed to do this when there's a baby in the stroller. When the child is not inside. And I would ask, who is using the stroller when you're not putting the baby in the stroller. I understand, parents. There are situations. You, t- you take the baby out. You carry it. Stroller's with you. I understand that. But if you're buying a robot stroller that can operate on its own, wouldn't the concept be to place the child in stroller so you don't have to hold on to the stroller? So this week at the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, the Canadian-based baby gear startup, Galaxkind has an AI-powered stroller. And Adam Abdallah just became a new father. I'm sure he has the funds to go buy this robot stroller for Layla, his new baby. I think that's. I think this is perfect. I think this. he should get this. And then, again, remember, don't use it with the baby inside. Black and Abdallah, we'll talk to you Monday night. Black and Abdallah on ESPN weekend. Chicago. Chicago's home for sports.